This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast where we chronicle and overanalyze the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm ready. And joining us again, we are very lucky to have uh, Mr. Brad Jost from the Jurassic Park podcast. Brad, thank you again for joining us uh, for another episode. No problem, guys. Yeah, I'm excited again. Yeah, I, I think uh, we had a really great time with you on yesterday, and I think the episode came out really well. So by popular demand, we had to have you back. <laughs> so. That's right. Awesome. You know, we're, it, this minute, uh, minute number 89, is a little bit light on content. So, Brad, I wanted to ask you just kind of some general stuff about um, uh, Jurassic Park and how you're connected to Jurassic Park. Uh, and so, of course, the, you know, best place to start would be your um, thoughts, you know, your memories on the first time you saw the movie and the lead up to the movie and whatnot. You know, I, I really wish I fully remembered seeing it for the first time. I have this memory, like, which I assume is my first time. But I don't know if I'm like, you know, mashing things together or not. Um, but yeah, I can't even remember like what, what I said like 10 minutes ago. So, you know, tough to get me to remember 1993. <laughs> but I definitely saw it in the theaters back then and obviously hundreds of times on, on DVD and VHS and all that. It's it's amazing. And it's really stuck with me. Obviously, I, I do a podcast, you know, like it sticks with you guys, you know, you you just love it so much that you can't help but talk about it, and it's so easy, you know? Um, but, yeah, I, I love it. I don't know what else, you know, to really say about it aside from it's one of the best things I know. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things that's very hard to articulate. Yeah. Um, it's, it just, like, encompasses you, you know, whether it's the toys and, you know, the artwork, posters, uh, you know, just collectibles in general yeah. and the movies themselves, you know? And the I, fact that it's still going, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and it's it's going to be going for a while, I'm sure. You, you find so. that in like, um, let's say, fans of like Star Trek. I mean, Trekkies who it's it's what they think about every second of every day, and have probably in, in some cases been doing so for like forty plus years, however old Star Trek is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, it's kind of frustrating in the sense that they will probably never be able to fully explain what it is about it. Yeah, uh, that gives them that affinity, but it's there. It's definitely there, and it's there for thousands and thousands of people, Jurassic yeah. Park fans. So it hits um, you at the right time, and then it just sticks, you know. And like you said, yeah. with Trekkies or or Star Wars, you know, those are all. I love Star Wars as well, and it it encompasses in you, and you think about it every moment. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's the best thing, and um, <laughs> it's. I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no. So, I mean, clearly uh, your love for the movie drove you to do the podcast. When, when did you discover that you wanted to do a podcast about Jurassic Park? Oh, my God. You know, I've been wanting to do it for years. It was just a matter of um, figuring it out more so than anything. I used to run a podcast, you know, a long time ago before it was so easy. And, uh, you know, it, lately it's become like one of the easiest things. And anybody can have a podcast. And there's so many different things to to use to support it. And it's so much easier than in the past. So I'm just like, all right, enough's enough. I'm going to do it. You know, and there, there's other people talking about it. There's other podcasts. And, and I, I listen to a lot of Star Wars podcasts. And, and there's like, you know, there's endless amount of those. And why not, why not Jurassic Park? Let's build this community. Let's, let's make it like Star Wars or Star Trek or anything like that, you know? And yeah. that's basically what I had in mind was let's like help build the community, make it a community podcast that everybody can be involved in. It's not just me and um, 
you know, myself talking the whole time. So it's all about, you know, branching out and letting people have their own uh, segments and stuff like that. So it doesn't yeah. have to involve me at all. You know, I, I, I started listening to the IndieCast. Um, I don't know if you guys, guys oh, have listened yeah. to that. Yeah. You know, back in 2007, I think, before the Crystal Skull came out. And, and that podcast really informed what I wanted to do with, with mine. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to take that formula, run with it with Jurassic Park and kind of, you know, do the same thing. And yeah. uh, that's, that's, you know, what I did. And I haven't looked back since. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, you definitely got the best name for the podcast. So <laughs> I don't know if you can be the Jurassic Park podcast. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, whatever. I was like, uh, what should I name it? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with this. You know, you mentioned the Jurassic Park community. And I know that um, a couple of months ago, you were able to round up a bunch of Jurassic Park fans and check out the Jurassic World exhibit over at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia. Yes. Uh, which you had a whole show just like basically audio of y'all's experience going through it, which was awesome. It felt like being there. It really did. Uh, and on your website, there's even some video of the exhibit. Uh, so what, what was that like? Oh, Getting man, dude, you talk about how, how this movie, Jurassic Park, makes you feel like you're, you're going to a real theme park and all that. This, mm-hmm. this feels the same way. You know, obviously, it's indoors inside a building, but you feel like you're in a legit, you know, dinosaur theme park. It feels yeah. real. And the music's there. Uh, the dinosaurs look, uh, for the most part, screen accurate. Some of them are a bit different. Um, but it has all the logos, all the fonts that you're used to. Everything, it just feels right. And yeah. uh, it's amazing. I mean, they have Brachiosaurus. Uh, man, I don't even uh, – Parasaurolophus, T-Rex, uh, Pachyrhinosaurus, Indominus Rex, Stegosaurus. So these are all dinosaurs that are just in there. Uh, and you can kind of go from scene to scene and kind of check them out for a few minutes. And like you said in that episode that we did, we we took a maybe thirty to an hour minute you know long experience and made it last like two hours and kind of awesome. overstayed our welcome maybe. But uh, <laughs> we had a really good time. Well, let's see. And um, I see that on your website, and I've heard on the podcast that you actually offer a promo code uh, for yes. the exhibit. Yeah, yeah. We we're working with the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia to offer, you know, fans of the pot, not, well, not the podcast, but fans of the franchise yeah. and that listen to the podcast, um, you know, a, a $5 discount. So all you have to do is, you know, listen to the podcast or, or you, uh, here, I'll just give it to you now. It's J W G E N E R. And, uh, you can use that, I think on the website, you can call up and, and just, uh, get five bucks off. So any, any amount of money, you know, helps. So yeah, that's why absolutely. I look at it. Um, do you, speaking of like uh, Jurassic Park related exhibits, there was a traveling Jurassic Park exhibit uh, back in like around the time that the original film came out. Do you have any memories of this or knowledge of this? No, you know, I, I have seen it over the years, but um, I didn't see it in person. And, and yeah. man, I really feel like I missed out by not it, seeing that. I don't know what happened. Like maybe it just didn't come near me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't aware of it at the time. But yeah, I feel like I missed out not seeing that one. That's so strange because, you know, you live in New Jersey. I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and it came through here. And I don't know why it would have come through Baton Rouge and not uh, New Jersey. But, um, I just don't remember, you know, I don't know. Maybe it just like was not on my radar at that moment for some reason. Yeah. Well, that was a long time ago. Yeah, so. yeah. It's tough, you know, in ninth, I don't know when it was when it was touring specifically, but I'm in yeah. third grade at the moment. So I'm not really fully <laughs> involved. I mean, I'm playing with the toys and watching yeah. the movies, but I'm not like, you know, the biggest fan in the world because I'm only eight years old. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, some of the stuff that was in it, you could actually see at some of the um, Jurassic Park, like, 
presence in theme parks, uh, like say Universal Studios. Have you ever um, been to? Actually, no. Yeah, you have. I saw I have. on your website. <laughs> yeah, you have a video of the uh, River Adventure. Um, what are your thoughts on the Jurassic Park theme uh, presence in theme parks? Oof. You know, I mean, it, it all depends if you're talking about different parks, but. The, the Jurassic Park, you know, the ride or, or the river adventure, um, it's not that great. You know, it's yeah. it's beautiful to look at. It's a, it's a fun ride, but in terms of animatronics, once you're – we were just talking about the exhibition in Philly. Like, that just blows it away. Um, but it's, you know, it's to be expected because these are outdoor animatronics and they're in water and stuff like that. So they don't really hold up as well as, you know, some other, you know, parks would do indoors or something like yeah. that. But the the park itself, like Islands of Adventure, is, is uh, you know, it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's it's a big lot there, and uh, it doesn't really have a ton to offer. You know, it's got the visitor center. I think there's, like, food in there, some games and different stuff downstairs. But um, I think they're going to expand that pretty soon. And if you take a look at what they're doing out in, like, Japan – they're doing a lot more, and they got they just added a new roller coaster like in the past year. Um, yeah. So they're they're still sticking to it, and I think you know they're gonna really expand it in in the next few years here. That's awesome. We actually had a Patreon episode, um, I think about two weeks ago, where we talked all about the Jurassic Park presence in theme parks around the world, and our our thoughts are kind of the same thing in the sense that uh, the the animatronics in the ride are pretty worn down and mm. they could definitely use you know, the whole thing. I think could use a really good refurbishment. Um, and it's Jurassic park. You think that they would do that, especially after the success of Jurassic world, they would really beef up the, uh, the performance of everything. Um, I do, however, really enjoy the visitor center. I think they call it the discovery center or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really cool being able to step oh, yeah. inside of there and, um, yeah, see you got the fossils and everything. Yeah. Like it, it looks like you're in that real, you know, visitor center from the movie and the it outdoors, really it's beautiful across the water. Um, but you know, aside from that, it's kind of like an empty shell almost in a way. Uh, there's not too much going on there, but that's the thing. Like Universal, for some reason, just doesn't feel like investing money in this this franchise in general. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's something so weird strange. about it, you know. And they they choose to put King Kong instead, you know, in Islands of Adventure, which is great. Everybody wanted a King Kong ride, but they put it in like a plot that Jurassic Park could have expanded. So it's very strange in that park. But, right. you know, I, I don't think they expected the amazing, you know, amounts of money it would pull in Jurassic World. But uh, they have an idea now, and I think they're trying to correct themselves. I hope so, man, because it's just so primed for a theme park, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to be in a theme park. It could use um, its own park in general. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I tell you what, before um, before we get into the minute, I've got another question on you. Uh question for you and it's what what are your thoughts on the jurassic park sequels um you know everything from lost world to jurassic park 3 to jurassic world uh look i i love them all like i i i have no shame in saying i love all of them uh even jurassic park 3 um you know i didn't when it first came out when i when i stepped out of that theater now this is one i remember i was really disappointed (laughs) and i think a lot of people can speak for that you know it was it was not up to par and uh as the years have gone on, I've I've been able to laugh at it, have fun with it, and um, I think once Jurassic World came out, it really connected some dots and made it even a better film in general. Mm-hmm. And um, the Lost World is is right up there for me. It, it's almost neck and neck. Jurassic Park takes takes a cake, really. I mean, it's number one, but 
The Lost World is right there. It's so close. So many amazing attributes in that movie. It the the entire uh, adventure tone, the music in that movie is is nothing like John Williams has ever done before. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, and I love personally. I think they did a great job in hiring, uh, you know, Jeff Goldblum for the for the lead. And I know he's not leading man material, but but that's the point. You know, that's that's yeah, what they're exactly. going for. He went yeah. through so much in in the first movie that he can't be that same cool rock star that he was, you know, in the first movie. So he's going to be different. He's changed and he's experienced some some crazy stuff and and he's, you know, he can't be that cool suave dude even though he does have some quips here and there, but um and Jurassic World, you know, I know it has a lot of flaws here and there, but uh, I don't care. <laughs> Honestly. It's a Jurassic it, film. Yeah, it's a Jurassic film. We waited yeah. 14 years for it. Um I personally like Chris Pratt. I think Bryce Dallas Howard nailed it out of the park. I know mm. a lot of people don't like the heels and and her, you know, character or whatnot, yeah, but I think I think she played it perfectly and she's a, you know, a businesswoman and she wears heels and and that's who she is and I don't think you can fault her for that. And uh you know, Michael Giacchino did a great job with that score. I think the vi- the visual effects are amazing. Um, so, it, you know, it hooked me. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, well, I tell you what, if you guys are ready, let's go ahead and jump into minute number 89. Let's do it. Yeah. In the previous minute, Dr. Ellie Sattler told John Hammond that the seductive nature of Jurassic Park was just an illusion and that now the only thing that mattered was getting Tim, Lex, and Alan back to safety. As the minute ended, we saw Dr. Alan Grant, Tim, and Lex asleep in the tree as a brachiosaurus ate foliage around them. At 89 minutes, Grant slowly wakes up and smiles at the sight of the brachiosaurus eating from the tree. After a few seconds, Lex wakes up. She is startled at what she sees. At 89 minutes and 10 seconds, the brachiosaurus comes in to take another bite. Lex scrambles backwards up the tree and yells at it to get away. Grant tells her that it's okay and it's only a brachiosaurus. Tim tells Lex that it's a veggiesaurus. At 89 minutes and 25 seconds, Grant breaks a branch off of the tree and moves it closer to the dinosaur's mouth. The Brachiosaurus responds with a loud call that startles everyone. At 89 minutes and 32 seconds, the Brachiosaurus takes a bite from the branch. Grant says that he isn't letting go of the branch. Grant pulls the branch in close enough so that he and Tim can pet the dinosaur's nose. Tim points out that the dinosaur looks like it has a cold. Lex has finally warmed up to it and reaches out to pet it as well. And thus ends minute 89 of Jurassic Park. Uh, Brady, b- b- when we started this episode off, you you did mention that this minute didn't have a whole lot as far as context or content goes, and I don't think you were lying with that. It's, uh, it's a very charming moment, uh, and it does, I think, kind of fill the purpose of kind of, say, uh, making the audience feel comfortable before we jump back into a, the back half of, or excuse me, the last third of this movie, which is all raptor action all the time. Uh, but in this moment, uh, of course we get, you know, kind of like a little bit more of Lex being a nervous wreck. And I think this is, you know, going to set up a little bit more of her heroic moment coming, uh, in just a few minutes where she's able to save everybody by, you know, becoming the computer hacker that we know she has the potential to be. So, uh, but as far as like subtext goes, not a whole lot going on in the scene. Uh, again, we get a lot of shots of this really great Stan Winston animatronic Brachiosaurus head. And, uh, there's a couple of uh, cuts away to kind of a f- uh, face-on view of the Brachiosaurus, and you get to see the full extent of its neck. And I'm kind of curious if you guys know how they did this shot. Was it like, was the face, was it all CG? Was the face puppet and then the neck, like, maybe put in later is CG? Do you guys, have you ever read anything about the how they did the actual, like, effects on the shot? Uh, I, I 
um, don't particularly know it, like the, where they were kind of putting in the CG on top of the visual effects. I do know that something I've mentioned in the past, uh, Stan, this Stan Winston's like school has its own YouTube channel, and there is a video where they look over the uh, creation of the Brachiosaurus head pretty in depth, and they show how you know they got the lips to move and everything like that, which is really interesting. But outside of that, no, I, I don't really know. Brad, do you have any information on uh, how they might have no. done it? You know, I don't really, and it's one of those scenes where I kind of look at it too, and I'm like, "What's going on here?" You know, like there's something strange about it. Like, um, I th- I'm pretty sure later on, you know, when you see it sneeze, I feel like that um, is a CGI shot, and I-, I think they probably CGI'd a lot of this stuff. But there is that moment mm-hmm. where they're playing kind of like a tug and war or a tug tug and war. What am I talking about? T- uh, what is the what is the word? Tug of war. Tug of war. Yeah. Of war. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and which is a really bad idea. First off, Grant, don't, don't play tug of war with a dinosaur. That's that's not gonna win. You know, I guess it worked out for him, but in real life, probably not so much. But he's doing that, and it, it kind of like bumps into the tree next to it, and which is weird because that tree doesn't exist like in other shots. Yeah. Um, but you see it bump into it, and it looks real. It looks legit. So I I don't know if that's like they blended it. I'm not really sure. It's it's very strange. You know, this this is um, one of the only scenes in the film that's kind of hard for me to buy. And one is that there's there's been a lot of vegetation that sprouted up overnight, if you look, in that <laughs> tree around them. But, um, okay, so just a few minutes before, we were on the ground, and then they climbed up about 15 feet into the tree, and now there's a Brachiosaurus, which I think <laughs> they say somewhere stands around 80 feet tall or something, and its head is now right there with them. The only sense I can make of this... First off, I want to slap myself for even thinking this far into it and calling the movie out on it. Uh, but the only sense I can make of it is that this tree would have been right at the cliff face that we had our backs to as the viewer. Um, but it's also one of those moments like the T-Rex uh, paddock, the T-Rex walks out you know, past where the goat would have been, and then all of a sudden it's a cliff face. It's one of those things that you just don't remember, you don't care about. It's awesome. Look, so. This is how far how far advanced engine is. Not only can they manipulate uh, living creature DNA, they can also make the ground rise and lower whenever this scene <laughs> needs it. So uh, they were way ahead of their time. But yeah, I think that's kind of the implication because when we do see down that neck, it does look like it's 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 much 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 lower than them. And the amount of you know they they show some shots of these trees too, and they're very thick trunked, but they're not very high in the air. You know, so it wouldn't have taken a whole lot of uh, you know power for them to to climb up this thing. But yeah. I I think like you're saying Brady just kind of like the T-Rex paddock is just kind of it it fits what the scene needs and uh, I honestly haven't really thought a whole lot about it I just kind of accepted that yeah it's right there in the cliff face and down below must be the valley of the brachiosaur which is the title of the book I'm writing right now so um (laughs) you know that makes perfect sense though because just you know whenever it was nighttime and Grant was sitting on the branch calling out to the other ones they're all lifting their heads up as though they are much further down Mm -hmm. so I'm just kind of assuming that this tree is like right there at a cliff face yeah and and that geography i think i can buy a lot more than the tyrannosaurus rex thing it it, it works uh, i I think a little bit better but um but like you were saying brad yeah but getting in a tug of war with a animal that like you know 90 percent of its body is neck and tail is is not the wisest (laughs) idea in the world you know the, the stan winston studio did a great job of making this thing look uh, like a very peaceful and kind animal. Like, you know, uh, Alan Grant tells Lex, just think of it as a big cow. And they definitely got some of the features, like of, of, of facial features of, of an animal, of an herbivore that would not cause you any harm. It's got big eyes, looks like it has a smile in its mouth. But yeah, 
they're really kind of tempting fate here because you don't know how this thing's going to react to seeing a smaller animal. You know, it, it sure it may be an herbivore and it might not want to eat you, but it might feel threatened by you and have no problem pulling you out of the tree and you know swinging you around and breaking your neck. <laughs> so uh, there is still a little bit of uh, kind of a uh, respect for nature almost I think in this scene when it you know it it does there's kind of a call and response where they make a noise to it and it responds back and everybody grabs their ears because it's so loud. Uh, Grant is kind of tempering the children to, you know, not make any quick moves, you know, to be careful and just pet it gently on the face. So um, while there's not a lot of yeah. subtext going on here, I think it is a pretty good character moment for, for the three of them here. You know, Grant again is like we've talked about before this, this movie is really a story about him having to step up and be a father figure for these kids is kind of, you know, the B plot for this movie as far as his character goes and you know here he's kind of you know being gentle with him and showing that he does have a softer side he's not the guy who's always complaining about kids and talking about how bad they smell brad how about you yeah you know i have a few i guess uh, you you pointed out the uh, animatronic itself I, I figured you know you mentioned that the the stan winston studio has that video i kind of dug through that and uh here's a few facts i guess um that thing is apparently seven and a half foot tall it, it's giant. So they, they made this thing lifelike and, and awesome for them to reach out and pet. Um, it has a four-axis jaw, so up and down, left and right. Um, and uh, the tongue moves, too, so that's pretty cool. Apparently, it takes six puppeteers to get this thing moving. I guess they need one for the eyes, one for the tongue, for the jaw, for lips, neck, head, all that stuff to, to get it to sync up and look legit, you know? Um to me, I think it stems from Crash McCreary, for real. You know, like, he he's the guy who did all the concept art for these movies, and um, he really brought it to life for me, you know, because there's so many portrayals of a Brachiosaurus and what they look like. And honestly, Google Brachiosaurus because they all look like the happiest dinosaur you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> like, try I dare you to find one not smiling. Um, but, but they brought his image to life. And if you if you Google that and you see that that Brachiosaurus, like it's the same one, you know, like yeah. they brought it to life. So I got to give Stan Winston Studio huge credit for for making that happen. Yeah, I really don't think any of the dinosaurs in the movie resemble McCreary's uh, McCreary. Yeah, yeah, McCreary. McCreary's, yeah, his McCreary's uh, designs quite like the Brachiosaurus. It's it's mm-hmm. you know spot on. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and that's I think my personal favorite dinosaur because of that introduction in the beginning, and then this, and, and just seeing how lifelike it is, and and how much it does resemble a real living animal, and mm-hmm. and I think that's yeah. what this this movie got so right is it made it feel like they're living creatures and they're not monsters. You know, he even says that it's not a monster, Lex. It's you know, it's just think of it as a cow. Um, so it looks like a cow chewing. It, it kind of has that elephant texture to it, so it looks like a real thing. So I think that helps uh, sell the creature for you and uh, make it believable. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, um, if that's all everybody's got for the minute, uh, Brad, I really want to ask you about what your thoughts on the future of the franchise is. Wow. uh, It's up in the air. I mean, we don't know where it's going to go. I mean, we have maybe a few open-ended questions um, everybody's assuming war, but I don't think it's going to go that path. I mean, I think they've kind of dispelled that, you know, mm-hmm. in a lot of the interviews and such that you've heard. But I think it's going to be, uh, I don't know, kind of like a full world in a way. I, I hate to kind of compare it to Planet of the Apes, but I, I feel like that's a good route to go in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, like Planet yeah. of the Apes, they took over and, it, you know, less humans and all this stuff. But I feel like it would be too much of a copycat. So it's got to straddle the line somewhere. 
Uh, you know, maybe they're loose, you know, in the deserts or, you know, somewhere of Africa, uh, you know, secluded out there or something like that. But I, I can't wait to see. I think it's going to be really awesome. J.A. Bayona is the new director. And uh, if you go back and watch some of his his movies, like I just watched The Impossible the other night. Yeah. Uh, that movie is, is amazing. It's emotional. And if he brings like you know, any amount of, of emotion from that movie, it's going to be amazing. And I think he's going to fix a lot of the flaws that people had with Jurassic World. He's going to probably tone it down, make it more believable. And exactly the things that you guys have been talking about is making it, you know, more science-based and more, you know, discussion around what's going on. And I think he's going to really pull through. Yeah, I think the combination between J.A. Bayona and Colin Trevorrow is just going to blow us all away. I mean, you talk about some thinking man's filmmakers. Those guys are just like, I don't know, they I, they are some of the best of their generation. And to know that they're behind a Jurassic Park movie, this franchise, I think the future of this franchise is in like incredibly good hands. Yeah. If, uh, if you know, the current administration, I don't know how else to put it, is um, is handing it off to them, then, then yeah. I think the franchise is, is in a pretty good place. Colin had so much work to do, you know, and you, you can't mm-hmm. fault him. If you didn't like it, maybe it didn't turn out the way you wanted. He had so much work to do to get yeah. it where people would enjoy it. And and nobody had faith in it. And it made, you know, billions of do- or billion dollars or whatever. And it, and it did very well. And, you know, whether you liked it or not, it's continuing. And I think he, he had the first step into, you know, a larger future. Yeah, if there's any faults that that movie has, I think that – I, I don't feel that I could blame him at Colin Trevorrow's feet. If anything, I felt that he kind of like turned the ship in in the right direction, or was you know, <laughs> as a director, he uh, the helmsman of this franchise. He really kind of kept it out of being terrible, if 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 that makes any sense, or if that's a fair thing to say. I think he's a, a very talented guy and was able to make something coherent out of seven different drafts of scripts. I think that he was given, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Where it came from initially would have been a nightmare and I'm I'm very afraid that it could go down that path again with that same you know there's a script out there uh that that's really bad and it was for the or- originally planned you know Jurassic Park 4 so yeah, I hope I they I don't take that route about. I really hope they don't take that route but um, I don't think they will I I don't know I mean the, there could be signs but um nothing official it's interesting cool. to think that Colin Trevorrow had the the task of of turning in those several drafts of scripts that were would be Jurassic Park four into Jurassic World and was able to, you know, uh, under the pressure of the studio, kind of given the timetable that he was, was able to turn out Jurassic World. And it's almost like he's kind of got the same situation going on with Star Wars now. You know, that looked like it was everything was going to be set up to go well, and then the untimely passing of Carrie Fisher, all of a sudden he's back in the crucible again. But you know, seeing how he wow, handled everything under. Jurassic World, I really think that if there's a director out there that's going to be able to, uh, you know, if you hand him something that is not in the best of shape and is able to fix things up, I think he's definitely the guy for it. So, For sure. All right. Well, you guys got anything else to add to this minute? That's no. it for me. Okay. Well, folks, uh, I just want to th- say thanks again to you, Brad, for coming on and doing the last two episodes with us. It's great to have somebody with the level of knowledge about Jurassic Park that you have come on and kind of tell, you know, uh, let Brady and I know what we've gotten wrong about the movie or, you know, kind of help steer <laughs> us on the right path. So it, it's been great having you on here, and uh, you've just been a fantastic guest. So thank you so much for giving us your time and coming on the show. No, thank you. You guys are killing it. I love listening, and I learn things every week too. So it's it's fun to uh, to pay attention and, and learn new stuff. Well, awesome. Well, all right. Well, for the folks out there that maybe uh, didn't that didn't hear you on yesterday or looking to find out more about Brad Jost, where on the internet can they go to find out more about you? 
Um, on Twitter, you can you can follow us at Jurassic Park Pod. Uh, you can follow me at Brad Jost or uh, JurassicParkPodcast.com. We have all the information on those places. Of course, we're on Facebook and Instagram and all that, but most of our stuff is all on Twitter. All right, Brad. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Brady, thank you for being on. I really appreciate you being here today. So. Awesome. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, we are going to get out of here. So until next time, for Brad and for Brady, I'm Kyle. Hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and twitter.com slash Jurassic Minute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at patreon.com slash Pele Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pele Media, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Pele Media. Yeah.